You're listening to ModPod, brought to you in association with the River Alehouse Greenwich, South East London Pub of the Year 2022. Hi, I'm Gavin Billiness and welcome to the ModPod bonus podcast. We're back with Peter Varney and Steve Sutherland and Dave Lockwood's ball bag. I have the ball bag. All right, we're going to do the FA Cup Okay, draw. we're going to yeah. do the draw now. All right, okay. okay, here comes the first one. 62, Norwich City. Okay, chaps, do you have a trademark recipe? That question is to Peter first. A trademark recipe? Are you assuming there I cook? Yeah. Christ, no, I don't Man, cook. It's a fool. I don't cook. Pancakes is probably <laughs> like the, the, the most I can get to. I know how to mix the, the stuff. What? I'm looking at Southers because I know what's coming here. Yeah, what? Oh, yeah. It'll be, yeah. Flash, it'll be Italian, won't yeah. it? <laughs> Ravioli. Tin of spaghetti, isn't it? It's an Italian omelette. Yeah, I thought it would be, yeah. That's it. I was expecting something a bit more. Is that impressive. what they call it? An no, I can't, I, I can't cook. So, what, what's, how is an Italian omelette different to an English omelette? Uh, I just call it an Italian omelette and put tomatoes on it and some. Garlic. And <laughs> okay. Well, that's all. Yeah. I thought the cookbook was going to come up here. Uh, is it still available? It is still available. It's uh, if you if you donate to the Upbeats, yeah, and you immediately download the recipe book we did in lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I still say my spag pole's better though. Okay. Right. Um, next ball. Seventy-one. Reading. What are you reading at the moment, and what is your favourite book? I'm not a great. Do you know what? I'm not a great book reader. I'm, I'm I'm good at watching films and things, but I don't really. If I do read books, they'll be like um, autobiographies. I don't want to give a plug to Curbs what I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we use Keith as a doorstop. <laughs> no, I'm not really a great reader, so I wouldn't be a good one to ask on that. Oh, over to you, Stubbers. Uh, I, I can't think of the author's name, but he's uh, a Welsh author, but based in Venice, and he writes crime stories set in Venice. Okay. And I've read all his books, actually. and uh, Obviously made an impression. It, it, it was, <laughs> <laughs> his, his, his main character is the Henri Con- Consul of Venice, and his name is Nathan Sutherland. Uh, okay. well, that's not Italian. <laughs> no, he's not Italian. He's English, but he's the honorary consul. But no, it's a, it, they're great crime murders, all set in Venice, and uh, he's quite a, a new author. He's only, I think he's done three books, so it's a series, and uh, that uh, I think will become movies as well. So yeah, watch out for that. Right. Okay. Welcome to the late review. Yeah. Okay. It's getting a bit serious, isn't it? Right. Okay. Into the bag of balls. Uh, 79. Stevenage. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> it's, yeah. okay, it's surreal. Yeah. It is a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how well it's going. Um, okay, top three Steves or Stevens you've encountered or worked with in football? Well, Steve Kavanagh, obviously. I'm struggling beyond that. I should, I should say that uh, Steve Sutherland is nudging Peter <laughs> quite violently. Yeah, Steve Kavanagh. Um, obviously, he was a finance director here for 10 years. Steve Wager. Steve Brown. Obviously, because Brown, he was uh, went a very close... Well, still have got a very close relationship. Um, I'm struggling after that. <laughs> They're the main two, aren't they? Yeah, they are the main two, yeah. 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 I'd be clutching at straws in the lower depths of... Well, we leave the it Steve, I know, leave so it. leave it yeah. there, yeah. Steve? 
Don't come here, being so. <laughs> um, Steve McMahon, he was my manager when I was at Swindon. Of course, yeah. Great guy, Steve. Um, Steve Grit. Can't remember. Yeah, can't, I should have said that believe. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steve Terrible. Grit. I told you, don't. I'm not a memory actor. And uh, and Thomas, Steve Thompson, great bloke, and a really good centre half for us as well at Sellers Park. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's going through it a little bit with health wise, Steve. But um, no, great bloke, and it was great to see him at last uh, last end of last season when he came with Lincoln. Excellent. Right. Okay. Next one. Fifty-four. Mansfield Town. Do you have or know any repeatable player stag do anecdotes? Oh my God! Nobody would get me in real trouble there. <laughs> stag stag do. Yeah, stag do. Yeah, I'm not sure I can like. That would be difficult, wouldn't yeah. it? Without, yeah, yeah. wouldn't yeah. want to put. No, wouldn't want to throw anyone under a bus. No, nothing's coming to mind on that one. If I'm honest, well, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, it is yeah. They're not going to say that, are they? They're not going to give us that. They'll give us that one off. My, lawyer, about, my lawyers are listening. <laughs> yeah. So Stagdews, what about April Fools? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God, now, yeah. You're, now, well, now, 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 now. How long have you caught? Not long. I don't know why they took them all seriously. They did. Yeah, this We had great fun. I had this habit of always coming up with a... We used to collaborate, we used to sit down and write, what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, and then you say you can't do that because that's going to cause mayhem. So, <laughs> yeah. Basically, I cancelled the I cancelled the Red Red Robin. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but what we, we were replacing it with Waterloo because, yeah, because right, the, yeah. the improvements at London Bridge Station that were going to go yeah, ahead. Yeah, because that was going to link to the so, continent. So we, we, so we now, agreed with, with Network Abba's Rail. Waterloo, we were going <laughs> to... <Yeah. laughs> So that was it. The worst one, that, well, that actually, there were a lot of people wrote to the Mercury yeah. and said that they'd never come again if we if we cancelled that. Yeah. Then I had the, really apologise, but there's been a serious gas leak in the North Stand. And if you do smell any gas, don't worry about it because it's not a problem. And this woman came in with a handkerchief around her mouth, gagging for air, saying that she, she'd obviously inhaled the gas and she was suing the club. <laughs> I mean, there was no gas. <laughs> um, <laughs> So that was one. We changed the kit. We were going to change the kit. I think we are going to play in blue. Yeah. Steve Brown has signed for the Broncos. Broncos. He was yeah. leaving the club. Yeah, I remember. He was going to be come on and kick, wasn't he? Yeah, because he, he aimlessly yeah. kicks the ball yeah. forward all the time. <laughs> yeah. We'd been approached by yeah. London Broncos to, to actually sign him up. We changed yeah. the logos, didn't we? I remember Yeah, yeah the logo I, change, I, yeah. I remember... Again, someone wanted to punch my lights out yeah. in the North Stand Lounge about the about the logos. And, One of them and, and, like and, Fulham, didn't it? And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. T- until and there was a fish as well. Yeah. Until the fish. whoever he was with said, "What's the date to him?" And he went, "Ah." Oh. <laughs> that was the bit that got me. The yeah. people, you know, it's the first of April, and they always fe- they always fell for them all. But and we did it every year. Every yeah. April. Yeah, every we did April it every year, and they yeah. d- I just. Yeah, fell for yeah, it. Every April, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Funny that, wasn't it? Yeah. I wanted to do it in yeah. May. That you had one. your tablets to see. No, not yet. No. It's time for my injection, <laughs> yeah. I think. <laughs> right, let's go back in. 41. Harrogate Town. Okay, this is... This is Some glamour ties in this. Yeah, it really are, yeah. It's the effort of glamour in a cup, isn't it? Yeah. Massage or sauna? Oh, definitely massage, yeah. Because yeah, back... Yeah. Yeah. When you get when you get older, yeah, your back. Yeah. Actually, there's a, a real sports massage 
deep tissue. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't walk when you get up. <laughs> but and it aches 24 hours later. But no, it's really, that's, yeah. If you never had one. I, I always wanted to go to sleep. I don't know why you insisted that I did that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's one of those many creams you had. Yeah. <laughs> well, you cream to, for everything. I do, yeah. Did you, have, did you have to room with him then? Yeah, you oh, did. Oh, all yeah. the time. And do you know what? You know you go away, you It was you harder for me because everyone was playing practical jokes on him all the time. No, no, no. no. You know you have a bag. And yeah. Then you, so when you get there, you get your room, don't you? You put the bag out. So my thing, I'd always put the clothes away first. I turn round and you know like the little bit you get next to the sink to put your... He had lip balm, eye balm, all sorts of balms. Areas Stuart of the body that you wouldn't know had balms. And then I, had, I just was able to just fit in my deodorant and yeah. the razor well, it, blue stratus yeah, yeah but it yeah. but it shows yeah. you know if you haven't looked after your complexion i mean you know, does it show it shows oh, yeah. does it um I'm sure but, the listeners are picking that up because no, you're worth it steve isn't yeah. yeah but on a on a on a veterans tour i shared with peter and they chucked him in the sea and the, our, our room oh, our room was full of sand you know it was just Sand everywhere. The thing was, we carried over. You know, we talked talked before about the fact of creating that sort of camaraderie. So we, I, the highlight of the vets tours was on a Saturday night. We put on a show, and so the show was heavily scripted with lots of like <laughs> lots of stories that was they they knew who I was talking about, whatever. So John Humphrey, Steve, and I put all the scripts together. So we do Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? But the questions <laughs> questions would be outrageous. Yeah. And stuff like that, but we had some. But the, what some of the wives used to come as well, and, right. and uh, they were fantastic days, weren't they? So you had John Bumpster's wife, you had Richie Bowman's wife, Andy uh, Peter Hunt's wife. It was, they were great. It was, it was great fun. We Keith Peacock's. Keith Peacock's. We wife. did a mock trial, so the wives were all come down later. So I remember on one of the Saturdays, we did a mock trial, and what happened was there was a genuine. Somebody complained about Richie Bowman getting too familiar with one of the uh, wives so <laughs> he, he was put on trial and um, I was the judge you were the judge weren't you Bob, Bob Boulder, Boulder prosecuted him so. and John Humphrey yeah. defended him how many times did he I put it to you I put it to you just, just put it to him don't keep saying that you're going to put it to you because um, he played up on the script but I, I can remember we picked the jury at the beginning I think it was Mark Penfold's wife we Objected on the basis she was what you'd call in those days a lady of the night. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which she took great offence to. She said, like, <laughs> they, they all think I'm a, you know, whatever. So um, the scripts were great. John, uh, uh, you know, John is John Humphrey being such, a great footballer. Such a comedian. Such, such a comedian, yeah. Right. yeah. He, got, he, he came up with some great one liners. So that was always the highlight. So they played the game. But the thing is, when they played, they become professional footballers oh, again. Oh, Mike Bailey. You know, we, game, had, yeah. we had great fun playing all these silly games and things like that, and quiz nights and, and, and court cases and who wants to be a millionaire. But when the, we always played one or two games. And uh, the tournament we played in Barcelona was a fight, wasn't it? Oh, God, they were younger, that weren't was they? was a fight. They considered veterans teams to be under 25. <laughs> You know, um, there's, there's Mike Bailey was 50 something at the time, best player on the park though, still. He was fantastic. Um, yeah. And we got through to the final and they made the final play at 12 o'clock in Barcelona. Uh, you know, I mean, it was hot. And these, uh, I mean, Keith in the dressing room, we're going, who can play? Who, who's, who's fitting up? Mike Flanagan was limping about and everyone. 
and they went out and they did the business again and won. And uh, yeah, I, that, but they became professional footballers again. That's what you notice when you go to the vets. They threw me in the sea, though. What, I don't know. I, th- I think I. <laughs> I think I said something and the wife said, oh, we're fed up with him, get rid of him. <laughs> and um, they threw me in the sea. So they took all my clothes off, threw me in the sea. Every time I tried to get up, another coach of old people <laughs> pulled, up, pulled up on the edge of the beach. It took me about, well, somebody came, was it yeah. Barry? Barry Neville came and rescued me with a towel. But, um, <laughs> and then Pardew, I remember Pardew. Alan was great fun on these tours as well, yeah, wasn't he? Pardew, he, he was Pardew, great fun. There was, I, it was about four o'clock in the morning and there was this song that was, what was, what was the Italian song? So they were singing it to Ovani. Ovani, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I thought, that sounds like my name. <laughs> anyway, I looked out the window, there they all were, just come back from the bar. And uh, the next thing, my wife said, that's plates. I thought, plates? How can it be plates? It was Valare, wasn't it, the yeah. song? Yeah, the song was Valare. Yeah. So I opened the door gently and Pardew had piled up three sections of dirty plates. <laughs> So he'd gone up and down to the kitchen and barricaded us in. So the next thing we know, six o'clock in the morning, there's all of these people screaming in Italian about how these things. And we didn't want to go out. And then we heard them taking them away. So we wait till they take them away. But the guys were like, the guys were sort of, uh, it was a, it was almost like an extension of what, but it brought them back towards the club. And yeah, yeah. obviously a lot of people came to yeah, games and they're, then, they're, didn't they? They're coming now as Charlton TV, a lot of those guys. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And, um, but yeah, I remember in Italy, I came down before we all went out, I came down in a brand new Nike tracksuit. And I thought I looked the business. <laughs> I came down, I ca- no, I came down <laughs> and Walsh, Pardew, Humphrey going, doing Ali G impressions. <laughs> I went, bad mistake. I just walked up, <laughs> went back up and changed. And then that evening, Alex Dyer came in wearing my tracksuit <laughs> and got into a room to get it. So that was what it was like, though, wasn't it? Yeah, they were yeah. characters, yeah. Yeah, it's but just... it worked on Alex, though, didn't it? You know? Yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. looked better in it yeah. than I did. I should, yeah. I should just say that Steve is wearing that tracksuit no, tonight. Yeah. 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 We better Still fits, Steve. Yeah. 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 Thank you. You're a good liar. <laughs> <laughs> Right, here we go. 39. Gillingham. Ooh, oh, Have you ever been on a caravan holiday? Oh, never again, once. <laughs> yeah, I went once. I'll never, ever go again. The kids kids had a tournament, um, and I was I, I thought I was going to die. I, I had hypothermia, definitely. It was, like, horrible. I'll never, never go on another one. I've only ever been on one. Uh, no. Well, you don't do caravans. <laughs> you don't do caravans. I don't do caravans, no. Unless it's yeah. got five stars no, no. in it. No. Unless it's a four seasons. Oh, no. no. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's got a grand in front of it. No, yes, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I don't do caravans. Yeah. Yeah. They're those things you tug along on a car, aren't they? Behind a car, aren't they? They're, they're the things, that. yeah. No. I've never lived, have they? No. They really never lived. I don't know. Got I don't know. Kick me out of that. No. Yeah, that's the end of the cup draw. One thing we've got, we, we've got to talk about is, um, is the Chris Powell. Era and bringing Powley back to the club when you came back into the club with um, uh, Jimenez and, and Slater. Um, uh, Slater. Yeah. And the club had been on a really good run, but seemed to have been falling off. And um, it was that December, wasn't it, that that we things just started to go a little bit wrong with with the team. Um, and Parkey was in charge with Kins oh. and. The takeover happened, 
and did they know that their time was up? Did, were no, you, no. did you come in? Listen, it's worth it's worth winding it back just yeah. a couple you, of months. You'd left, didn't you? I'd gone. Yeah, I yeah, wasn't yeah, at the club. No. I wasn't at the club either. I no. was I was on holiday in America in October, yeah. and I got a call from Richard Murray, and he said that they've all of the rest of the board are now no, no longer funding. I'm the sole funder of this football club, and I can't fund beyond the 31st of December. Yeah. So it was almost like, what do you want me to do? We need we we need to find a buyer. Now, um, long story short, Richard was in conversations with some Manchester-based people um, that were totally wrong for Charlton. Sounds um, familiar. Mm-hmm. So I did a bit of research, and so we had we had a number of calls about that can't happen. But of course, who else was there? Yeah. Around so anyway, when I got back, I put myself out. Tony, Tony Jimenez has always has always wanted to own a football club. Yeah, he he came up with a proof of funds to satisfy not only me but satisfy Royal Bank of Scotland. But we had to hit that thirty first of December deadline, or the club would have gone into administration. Mm. So we worked all over Christmas, including we had a call with the guys from RBS on Christmas Day morning to try and get all the paperwork done. Um, so Stuart Butler Galley was the club's lawyer, myself and Kavanagh, Steve Kavanagh. We we worked all over Christmas and New Year just to get it. We just had to get it so it was ready to go. Uh, him and his then agreed to put some money up front so that the, the wages were met for um, December. The original idea was uh, I basically just said, look, obviously Steve's in charge now. I don't want to undermine Steve in any way. Mm. Um, but if you want me to be around, say, if you don't, no problem at all, I'll wander off into the night. So they then came back and said, what we'd like you to be is like a, a somebody that's in the background as an advisor. So you've been here, you've seen it, you've done it. You can, we're not, we've not run a football club, so you can do it. So they appointed Jeff Fatir to do the recruitment. Um, they then met Eddie Howe here yeah. to give offering the manager's job. He could go to Palace, Burnley or here. He turned down... He said not to Burnley because Jason Tyndall's wife ran a business on the South Coast. Jason used to play you. Uh, yeah, and mm. then in the following morning, they went to Burnley. Yeah. Um, so I then got a call um, on the Wednesday saying that the preferred candidate now was Gary Johnson. Oh. So I then said, look, you, I know you don't want me involved, but the trouble is if you do get me involved, you're going to get an opinion. And that opinion is you're making a massive mistake. The clubs, the club needs completely lifting, whatever. So I got the give me a name. So I said, I don't know whether you'll get him out, but if it was me and you're putting it on, on me, I would go for Chris Powell. So they asked me then to ring Chris. Chris came down on the Thursday. I asked them not to take the, the, the Johnson thing through till they'd seen him. So they saw him on the Thursday. Um, and obviously Chris being Chris, you know, they were taken with him, went for a walk, told him to go for a walk. And then I got a call saying that, yeah, okay, we've appointed him. Um, then, you know, obviously we, the, the next stage of it really was the, what's happening with the recruitment. So without being unkind to anyone, they had the first, the first sort of um, negotiation and it didn't go well. So Tony and Michael got very agitated, whatever. The next thing I know, people are getting sacked. And then I got a call saying, look, can you just until we get somebody in, can you just sit down with Chris, agree a plan, and then, you know, you can do the early ones and then we bring someone in. Yeah, no problem with that. And this is a key thing in running football clubs, really. 
and it, it you sometimes can see it in, in we're watching the team at the moment we we have a formation but we don't necessarily have the the players that fit the formation which is what's been some of our problem mm. so the big thing i think that i learned over the years you have to do is what what do you the manager want as a style of play and i think this is the role the ceo plays what's the style of play that you want you you want to play 442 do you want to play 433 you know, whatever, or, 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 or any sort of theme on that. And then what are you looking for in the characteristics of everybody that fits into that squad? And there'll be two in each position. So what are you looking for in the number one pick as opposed to the number two pick? Right, once you've done that, let's identify three that fit each of those profiles and we'll have a role in top three. So my job is to coordinate all the scouting network. You carry on. You've got a job to do. You've got to coach the players day in, day out. So my job will be to coordinate all the scouting side and three times a week we'll come together and we'll look at that three and then we'll be ahead of the game. So we're doing this now in February. We're going to have to tell a lot of these players like Rakon and Samida they're, at, they're not being retained. So the reason we won the first four and then fell apart was because that after the first four was when they were told you're not getting a new contract. Right. So they're down tall, so that wasn't down to Chris. That was a that was a sort of club decision if you like. And then we worked at getting the, the you know, the, the, the new guys in. Um, and as I said to you earlier, that led to we were so ahead of the game that virtually when the you know, when the window opened we were ready to go with most of it. Um, the one person we we couldn't get was Chris wanted to bring Kermigan in from Leicester um, and there were complications around it. Now, because going back to when I worked at Leicester, Andy Neville was still at Leicester. So I phoned Andy and said, look, we'd like to make an approach to Chris. Um, but I'm being told there's no compensation. We can't pay compensation because money's tight. Um, and, you know, will you do that? So that was the Chris part. Um, Sven did us a massive favour because they said no, it's forty thousand or nothing. Sven used to come here a lot, a lot of the time. I don't know if you we probably were, saw him. We were always hosting yeah, him here. Tall grip. So um, I think he liked the barmaid actually. But anyway, that he came. <laughs> he used to come here. He used to come here quite regularly. So I phoned Sven and said, "Look, we got this problem, and I know Chris really wants the job, and it would be a great shame if he can't take it. Is there anything you can do?" So Sven said, "Give me an hour," and then Sven called back and went, "There's no compensation." So he did the mm. club, the club here a massive favour. When we then got to um, the Kermagant thing, which was the which was the last part of the jigsaw puzzle that Chris had sort of created, with with the way he'd restructured the squad, um, he was on six thousand a week at Leicester, but our budget had to be at four point two million. We were out of sync actually because the two Sheffield clubs and Huddersfield were on six million, but we had to do it on four point two million. So we engineered this thing with, um, with a bit creative thinking with, with his agent that we would pay him something now, but if we got promoted, which he thought we would do, to be fair to Jan, then we could deal with that, with the money that came from television by getting promoted. And that's effectively what, what happened. He so had a Jan, bad time at Leicester, didn't he? Yeah, the fans hated him because he tried he to chip in a penalty. A, yeah. mm. So anyway, he came, fantastic player, as we all know. Um, and then by what the fifth week in October, uh, third week in October, we were five points clear. And then yeah. obviously it went, yeah. you know. Then that side, 
then finished ninth in the championship. And in my opinion, three mm. or four, if at that time they hadn't run out of money, just three or four quality players, and we would have been challenging mm. for promotion to the Premier League again. Yeah. yeah. But it didn't, it didn't happen. And then, of course, since then, we've just had a you know, series of issues on that. Yeah. But uh, that was a hell of a sight. As you say, that was a, a fantastic season. Um, especially that last game of the season when we've got uh, all the Pooley fans there and everything like that. It, it just such a special atmosphere, wasn't it, all the way through? Yeah, I never quite got with... Uh, I mean, you know I was a big fan of getting the atmosphere up yeah. with, the, with the the opera singers and all that. But <laughs> Yeah, it was me who had to rail I mean, with Kerbishly when oh, it didn't God. work. Yeah, I yeah. Know. yeah, He always used to blame the opera singer. No, he did. He Your bloody opera singer. But, it's not your, your, your team, then. I mean, I looked at the pictures afterwards and a lot of the crowd was sort of singing along to Ness and Dorm or yeah. whatever. But then, you, you know, you'd speak to people in the stand and go, no, we don't want that. We don't want all that. I thought it was quite rousing. I used yeah. to like it. And, but we also let the fans sing. So at the end, the opera singers were pre and at the end we put on music that the fans could, Yeah. you know, the fans. I mean, if you think back to those days afterwards, I mean, people didn't go home, did they? No. We had to clear it out at the end. They all got involved in all of the songs <laughs> that were going on at the end, whether that's Hey Jude or yeah. or whatever was put on. You're sort of seeing a little bit of that at Brentford. Yes. At the minute, because yeah. they're yeah. so celebrating the fact they're, they're in the Premier League. They create that sort of atmosphere afterwards, don't they? Mm, yeah. No, they were good days and see it packed. You yeah. know, when I look like last night against Portsmouth and you see, you see all the gaps, you know, if we could get back to those days, that would be... Absolutely. That would be the icing on the cake, just to see the atmosphere back how it used to be. Mm. Because a lot of people that came here said, you know, that it, the, the crowd influenced the result, mm. like they do at so many big grounds. With, with it being the Valley, uh, did we ever get close to leaving the Valley for something bigger? Because I know that you were looking at the Dome, at a ground at the Dome. but um, No, it wasn't that. It, it, was, was, it, it was to keep Arsenal away, wasn't it? No, what it was, there was talk of us making an Olympic bid. We went, right. we went to we went to the Olympic um, yeah. so see we, the London we Olympic. Met, we met the Olympic, you know, the Olympic people, and the, one of the sites that they you don't like heights. It was on the thirty fifth no, floor sent, or something. Well, I send you up. Yeah. You don't have a dog and bark yourself. No. <laughs> so, I, I, we, we basically went to see the Olympic people, and they said that one of the prime sites for it was right next to the O2. Yeah. Now we've got a problem because if West Ham moved to the O2 or Spurs, yeah, and and we spoke to both of them. Then this is going to have a massive impact mm. on, on, you know, on the on the, the support here at a time when we were looking to grow to forty. Yeah. So that was one part of it. The second part of it was we had a problem with the council. The council were looking at movement of people around the ground, and they didn't like the idea of the valley going up by another six thousand in the north stand, let alone up to forty thousand. Mm. So th- what that talk of moving got us was that we got away with nine thousand in the north stand it went up from six right. and they agreed it but the bigger picture was well if you want to you know um fall out with the fan base who are also voters because you're saying that we you know we have to go yeah. to actually grow so and then of course it went away and they decided that the, the number one site would be where the london stadium is now right. but that was the concern that, yeah, mm, yeah. that we could end up you know mm. shooting ourselves in the foot so it was the right a lot of people criticize that but if you've got a club that's growing and growing and growing, you don't take yourself away from the table, do you? 
No. You've got to be got, at the table. Yeah. You, you strategically as well. I remember with, with Crossrail, you were got involved with that, trying to bring Crossrail to Charlton. Yeah, because if it came on further from Woolwich, mm. that would then again mm. affect, the, affect the numbers. But I didn't know at that time whether they'd say, right, 27 is your lot and you'll never go any higher. Mm. And then that would have been a problem because you're trying to compete. You know, you're trying to compete with clubs and you're seeing it, aren't you, with the growth of West Ham Stadium and... Ultimately, the, the South Stand would have been our would have hamstrung us, wouldn't it? Because you can't get the fans away from the South Stand, can no. you? No. Well, they wanted a little exit route going up, didn't they? That mm. came out on the because it's obviously it's very going, steep at the back, but it didn't. It didn't all work. Down. So, was it a non-starter to go to forty thousand? Do you think? No, no, not, we could have done. Well, it. I think you could have gone the the basically the East Stand was going back a further ten rows on the lower tier. Right. And then going up with four rows at the top with 32 boxes. Mm-hmm. And that would all be entered from the South Stand car park. Okay. So you'd just walk yep. further up and you and you come around the back. The, the East Stand was then, obviously, when they decided, you know, later on to sell Lansdowne Mews, they kiboshed mm-hmm. the ability to develop there. So you could have got to 31, 32. Okay. And then, you know, a bit like Forest, you would have dipped down yeah. and... It's this sort of similar size to walls, yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that would have been that yeah, probably yeah. would have been okay. Yeah, yeah, but I, I still maintain. Listen, I t- you, you can you, you can tell from what we've said today about the passion for the valley. But when you're running a, a, a football club, you've got to have one eye on if someone's going to come on your patch. Yeah, you can't not be at the table. You have to be saying, well, we are looking at whether we can grow, get the Peninsula Stadium alongside the O2. Yeah. Um, and of course, that whole thing as well led to AEG making a bid for the club, which right. was, you know. I went to LA for that, didn't I? Well, yeah. you came back with a pair of cowboy <coughs> boots, and I got well, yeah. four files of no, work. I had a nice trip. <laughs> yeah, so you were like. <laughs> yeah, you came back with a pair of cowboy boots. No, yeah. I mean, what was going on out we, there? That's we, why I always we, ask myself. We, <laughs> we were trying to ingratiate ourselves with AEG, and uh, the London Olympic Committee were being. Uh, entertained out there because they they were taking over the Millennium Dome and they and they were going to show us what their plans were for it. So um, I went out there uh, as guest of AG with the London Olympic Committee and uh, they showed us the Staples Centre, which is effectively in LA, which is effectively what is now you, the O2, hmm. exactly the same concept. Um, and we the top man at the time, apart from Phil Anschus, the top man at the time was Tim Lawicki. And there was a function in his house one of the last nights that we were there. And he stood up and said, um, Charlton's our team. But, you know, we're, we're going to be in Greenwich. Charlton's our, our team. And I was chairman of the centenary committee then. And I presented him with the centenary shirt. He put it on. So I came back with all these photos said, there you go, look. Okay. You know, they're well up for Charlton. And then you agreed a price, didn't you? Yeah, but where have you you've missed the cowboy boot? Where did that come from? Well, that was you just one of my days off. Over that. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah, no, we agreed a price. So he came here late one Thursday. We agreed a price. Um, I then rang around the board and I thought we had an agreement. And then when he came on the day, the goalpost moved and we didn't have an agreement. But his, his plan was to build the east immediately. He was going to build out mm. the east, but not <coughs> the south. So get it up to... 31. But they'd have outside events here, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would have had stadium concerts here. But that would have been the beauty. If there were any upsides, downsides about where you went, 
if they ever did take us to the peninsula, his vision for him, not for us, was very much that you build a stadium that when he gets some of the top acts, he could only get 17,000 into the O2. So this would be an opportunity, right, if he yeah. could sell 50,000 tickets or whatever, that he put them in there. And of course, um, North Greenwich can take 50,000 you know, passengers. But I mean, listen, if you're a Charlton fan, the Valley is Charlton, isn't it? Yeah. It was yeah. just trying to manipulate mm. to get the permissions that we wanted. Um, and I think if Crossrail had have gone into Charlton, that would have changed the dynamic because we would have argued that we're mm. not going to be lots and lots more cars. We're going to be encouraging people to come, you know, come I on the I think when, when, you, when you see the clubs who have moved to brand new stadium, um, that in a way gets accepted because you're improving the club and you, you, if you're going to compete, you need a commercial stadium that can hold more people. Yeah. That's more acceptable. The way we did it back in the day, we just upped and left and shared somebody else's traditional ground. Never going to work. No. Never going to work. But like Derby did, like Arsenal did, go to a new stadium, you can sell that. Oh. You can sell that. Peter Varney, Steve Sutherland, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to ModPod, the podcast from the team behind ModMag, the surprisingly good Charlton Athletic fanzine.